Well, what is up? Good morning. How are you? Oh, that was, let's try that again. How are you? All right, that's a little bit better. Well, as Bobby mentioned, my name is Daniel Copeland, and I work with the students here on Wednesday nights. And before I get into that, I'm going to throw a little commercial break out there for you guys. Um, uh, Wednesday night, if you have a student that's the age or in the age range of 6th to 12th grade, we meet here on Wednesday nights. Uh, we hang out from about 6.30 to 7.30, and we just have, we have food, we have fun, uh, and we learn about God, so that's just a pretty good mixture all around. So um, I want you guys to come out, and that being said, this Saturday, we are going to Jump Jam. Uh, we're going to take our students to Jump Jam, so if you have a student in that age range, we would love for you guys to come out and join us. Just hang out with us and have fun. And if you're a volunteer or an, an adult uh, and you're like, hey, listen, I know the last couple of weeks you've been talking about volunteering, uh, but I really just haven't stepped up. Uh, well, this would be a great opportunity for you to be able to stand up, stand up and come out and hang out with these, these students and just love on them. I mean, this is the next generation of the church. So uh, if you could just, just come out, hang out with us and let's love on some kids. So um, We'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So um, the last couple of weeks, we've been in this Know Your Role uh, series. And uh, the first week, Bobby spoke on husbands. Uh, or, and I'm sorry, Wesley spoke on husbands. And he did a phenomenal job uh, about what it looks like to be a husband, uh, what it's like uh, to be a good godly husband in the home. And if you missed that, uh, that series is on... Um, YouTube, I believe, and it is a podcast, so if you missed that, I, I challenge you guys, you men that are married, go back and listen to that, because it, there's some challenging things in there. And the next week we heard, uh, actually last week, Bobby spoke on uh, wives and what it looked like to be a godly wife in the home, and for you ladies, check that out, because there's some great things. I've heard some positive things on that from not only just my wife, but some other ladies in the church, so check that out. And then this week, we're going to speak on something that's kind of foreign in the, in the church, something we don't talk about quite a bit. And doing this message, it kind of hit me. I was like, you know, it's kind of sad that, that we don't because we have a lot of, a lot of groups. We have a lot of marriage. We have marriage groups. We have men's groups, and we have women's groups. And in those groups, we, we A, we, in our marriage groups, we talk about marriage. And then B, uh, the men's and women's groups, we primarily talk about uh, what it's like to be a good husband, and we kind of forget the singles, and uh, and to that I say we're, I'm sorry. It, that's that's kind of sad that we do that because the Census Bureau came out, and did you know this? And I didn't know this, but 50.2 percent of all Americans are single, and 28 percent are single households. So. If you didn't realize that, let me get you reacclimated to the world you live in because people that you, you live, you work, and minister to are primarily singles. And today we're going to talk about singles. Um, and I know in the short time we have today, I don't have time to cover every, every nuance of the single experience, but we're going to talk about it and what it's like to be a single in, in life. Uh, one more caveat before we kind of dive in is when you talk about singleness, people ask the question, well, are you single? And the question, the answer to that is, no, I'm not. My wife is sitting right here. Uh, and you say, well, well great. This is going to be great. Why is a married man talking about singleness, you know? Uh, well, 
To answer that question, the text that we're going to read uh, is written from the Apostle Paul, and I don't know if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, but he was single his whole entire life. So as we read the Word of God together, we're going to be reading it, and it's going to be written through a single man. So that's the text we'll be in this morning is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, and the second thing is, is I got married when I was 26 years old. Uh, some of you all say, well, that's kind of young. Well, it is, but I spent the majority of my singleness, that's 18 to 26, just really poorly. And I wish that I had kind of taken the time and looked over this stuff that I'm going to be speaking about today because it would have changed my view on singleness. It really would have. I wish that I would have taken some of these things and applied it to my life because it would it would have helped me out in the long run. It really would have. So the way I'm going to go out about this is primarily going to be directed to singles this morning. It really is. Um, but married people don't don't kind of shut me down or tune me out right quick because uh, there are going to be some things in here that, that could possibly help you guys out as well. And let's just be real. Uh, how many messages have single people sat through about marriage, right? Quite a few. Uh, so let's just take one for the team this morning, uh, us married people, and, and just roll with the single people. So um, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 6 and then go through 9. And then we're going to jump down to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 through 35. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you have your smartphone, you could go to the uh, Uversion app, click on the events, then go to the Ridge Church, and all my notes and scriptures should be there. Uh, and if you don't have a phone, which I don't know what age you're living in, uh, uh, it's going to be on the screen behind me. So, and one more thing to that, um, on that, is I've been a guy that always carries my phone with me nonstop, and I use my Bible app all the time. But here recently, I just ordered a new Bible, a brand new one. It's actually here with me today. Um, and the reason why I did that was because that uh, I wanted to just flip through the Word of God. It's just a different experience when you just have the Word of God in your hand and you turn the pages. It's just different than just scrolling. Uh, so I challenge you guys, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll get you one. And if you do have a Bible, bring it with you and just, just experience this different experience. So uh, that's just a side note, something I just wanted to throw in there. Uh, you guys didn't have to pay for that. Um, so we'll start reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, we'll start in verse number 6. It says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am, but to each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one to of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Let's skip down to verse number 32. It says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. 
Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for just allowing me to be able to come up here and speak freely from your word. God, I pray that when I, as I speak, it's not my words, but your words, that you just flow through me, God. And I pray that everyone's ears are, are not just their ears, but your ears, God, and are receptive to this word. And God, just speak to hearts and just be with me. In your name I pray, amen. So Christmas growing up uh, was a little bit chaotic, much like it is today. Uh, we would just run around like crazy. Uh, and I'm going to give you a little back backstory to my Christmas, what it kind of looked like as I was growing up. But when I was younger, uh, we would go to my grandparents, which was my mom and dad's, or I'm sorry, my dad's parents, and I called them my Nana and Pa. You're going to kind of probably make fun of what I call my grandparents, because that's just me. Um, but we would go to my Nana and Pa's house on Christmas Eve, and then the next morning we would uh, get up and open gifts on Christmas Day uh, from Santa Claus and my parents, and then go to my other grandparents' house, and I called them Minnie and Papa. Uh, that would be Christmas night. So we were constantly running. So, I, you know, we all have those Christmases that just stand out in our minds, right? We all have that one Christmas that's just kind of vivid. All, it never goes away. And I can remember this one Christmas in particular. Um, it was Thanksgiving, and the Toys R Us catalog came out. Anybody remember the Toys R Us catalog, the big, thick one? Love that thing. It would come out, and I can remember as I was flipping through the catalog, you know, six, seven years old, there it was. What I wanted. And it was a green G.I. Joe Jeep. It had the cool stickers on the side that said U.S. Army. And it wasn't the little G.I. Joe Jeep. This was the big unit. This dude was ready to go into action and fight war. And not only was it just the Jeep with the missiles on top and the guns on the side, oh, it came with the 12-inch action figure. Oh, yeah. With the metal dog tags and the guns. Oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this, this thing was legit. So, man, I can remember that year. It, I was flipping through that page, and I was circling that, that, that G.I. Joe Jeep. I was just circling. I was like, that is what I want. So, man, I was getting geared up for Christmas, and Christmas Eve rolled around. I went to my, my Nana and Pa's house, and guess what I got? The G.I. Joe Jeep. Oh, man, it was sweet. I remember opening that thing up, and I was playing with it, and I was ready to kick some tail. You know, I was ready to go into war and just fight. And I was rolling that thing all over the house. And I was like, if this is already what Christmas is like right now, just think about what tomorrow's going to be like, you know. So I got up, you know, six, this is six or seven-year-old mine. So I got up the next morning, and I'm sure that I got Santa Claus brought me what I wanted. I don't really remember. <laughs> all I remember, I just wanted the Jeep. So uh, I got up, and then we, we went to my, my other grandparents' house. And I can remember walking in. And I was excited, you know, I was ready to open gifts, you know how kids are. And I walked in and the, there was nothing under the tree. And I thought, hmm, probably in the back room. It's too big for what to put under the tree. You know how it is. So we waited and it was time to open presents and you know I was excited. So it was time we were sitting around and my grandparents brought this gift out and it was just one gift in a bag and it was presented to my whole family. I thought, hmm, not the right house. I'm like, something's not right, you know. So we open this up, and I'm six or seven years at the time. We open this gift up, and there was a note in there, and it said, we want to take you on a trip. And I was like, all right, a trip. Sounds great. Where's my toys? 
I'm six or seven at the time. I don't understand a, a trip, right? I know we're going on a trip, but I want something that's right then and there, right? I wanted a toy that I could play with. Fast forward a couple of months later, the G.I. Joe Jeep that I had once wanted so dearly, that I just loved, now made its way into a toy box or into a closet. And now it was time to go to Disney World. That's where our trip was. They took us to Disney World. So I was ecstatic. I was so excited. I got to meet Mickey and Goofy and Minnie and all of them. I was so excited at the, at the time. And I had forgotten about that gift that I wanted so bad. So, the, so suddenly the disappointed kid a couple of months back was now singing praises to the gift that his me and Papa had gotten him. You say, Daniel, why do you say that? Why do you tell me that story? Because what we want is not always best for us. And what is best for us, we don't always appreciate, do we? So why did a seven-year-old not appreciate a vacation at that point in time? Ignorance. Strictly ignorance. It took someone who was loving and kind to give me a gift that would be way more beneficial than some toy that I just throw in a closet. They loved me so dearly, they wanted, they wanted me to experience something more greater than just a toy. You say, well, why mention that here? What, what, how does that tie into today's message? Well, because sometimes the most loving gift from God is singleness. You say, singleness? Yeah. I called it a gift because Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you want to look back at that, it says, I wish that all were as myself am, but to each his own gift from God, one to one kind and one to another. He says it is a gift. For some of us, that's, that's a gift we don't want, right? God's like, hey, I got you a gift. Oh, what is it? Can't wait. No, singleness. Oh, thanks, Dad. Love it, you know? No, we, some of us, we don't want that gift. We don't. But the truth is, if we believe that God is loving and wise, which we do, right? Then we have to believe that what he does for us is what's best for us. We need to look at this and go, why would God do this? Why would give God... Why would God give us a season of singleness in my life when I want a relationship so dearly? Why would he do that? I don't understand. And many people that we talk to, they want relationships. They want to be married. I mean, if, if I could probably poll everybody in this room, the majority of people say, yeah, I want a spouse. I want somebody to spend life with. So why would God give us a season of singleness? Well, he goes on to tell us in verse number 35. It says, I say this for your own benefit not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. Well, I, my text is, is primarily ESV that we're going to be reading today, but I like the way the, the version, the NASB version, when I, when I read text, I, I kind of read totally all over the place, different versions. The NASB version really hit me. I, I like the way it was worded, and it says, to promote what is appropriate and to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. I like the way that's worded. So we're going to kind of use that, that wording in the, in, a, in the NASB version today and kind of roll through the, the message. So to promote what is appropriate and to secure an undistracted devotion. You see, every person on the planet is going to be given a season of singleness. Some of it's going to be longer than others. Some of it's going to be shorter. But the, the reality of it is, is God has ordained us 
a time to be single. And he tells us why. First, there's two reasons. First is, is to promote what is appropriate. Well, what does appropriate mean? I think we all know what that means. It means something that fits an environment, right? Something that fits an environment. And we call something that's inappropriate that it, it doesn't fit an environment, right? It's like uh, wearing a swimsuit to a wedding. Inappropriate. Are swimsuits wrong? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But a swimsuit to a wedding? Inappropriate. There's some, thing, there's some things that I could say to my wife in the confines of her own house that would be appropriate, uh, loving, life-giving, things that a married man should say to his wife. Those same things told to the people out here working the ridge counter, inappropriate. <laughs> I just wouldn't go there, you know. Could get me arrested. Uh, uh, but it, what I'm saying is... Uh, get this Paul says the reason you are single is because I want to promote what is appropriate God made you single because he wants to champion a worldview a way of living and a way of seeing that fits the context in which we are currently in which raises the million dollar question right what is the context what is it well he says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 20, number 29. I didn't read it, but we're going to read it now. It says, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though, do, though they had none, and those who mourn as though they had no mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, as though they buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, let me clarify this. He's not telling you to ditch your wife or your spouse or quit your job. That's not what he's saying right there at all. He, what he's saying is, though singleness, dating, marriage, kids, work, whatever, those, those are very important parts of the hu human experience. They, they really are. But it's not the main storyline of our life at all. That's not the main storyline. You say, well, well, I thought relationships were. That's not the main storyline? Well, no, not at all. If we took, if we take the Bible and looked at relationships, singleness, dating, all those uh, uh, experiences, you know, that the Bible speaks on, uh, there are quite a few passages, actually. Uh, you get... You get Genesis 2, Genesis 24, you get uh, all the Song of Solomon, much of the Proverbs, Ephesians 5, uh, you get uh, Colossians, and then 1 Corinthians speaking about the, the single experience. And if you take those and you compile them all together, you just put them in the Bible, it's just a tiny sliver of the Bible. Much more is written about what God is about. Much more. You say, well, what God is, what, what are you saying there? I don't understand what you're saying. What, I, what I'm saying is, that the other things are what God is. Relationships are just a side part. It's just a, it's just a, a thing that we just get to experience in life. The big picture is what God is about. And, and <clears throat> if, you, if you read in 1 Corinthians, it says, Fornicators, idolaters, thieves, revilers, swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God, and such were you, but you were washed you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What this is saying, though, is the world is a dark place, 
And every person in it has had terrible things perpetrated against us and horrible things perpetrated by us. And yet the main storyline of the, of the world is we are all devastated and we are all sentenced to an eternal place in hell. But guess what? God sent his son to die on a cross for my sin and your sin. And that one day he's coming back and he's going to take us home with us. When we die, we get to go to heaven with him. And then here's the thing is a lot of times we get to focus on, on earthly things and we don't focus on eternal things. And a lot of times when, when we're walking around here on this planet, and we, you know, we're guaranteed 60, or not guaranteed, but the majority of us, we live 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And we think, well, that's good. Those are good years. In, real, in all reality, it's not. Our time here is very, very, very short. And Paul says that later on in that verse. It says, it says for the, the present form of this world is passing away. In your life and mine, our lives are brief. And in the storyline of all humanity, think about it, is very, very short. And what he's saying here is when you realize the main storyline, which the main storyline is what God has done for us, what God has given us he's made a, a place for us eternity we just have to believe in him so you and we are called to have we are called to disciple people and lead people to him and if you realize that that's the main storyline and there's not a lot of time left on the clock the clock should influence how you play the game right i can remember playing madden back in the day anybody ever played madden football a couple of us couple i remember playing it back on the sega genesis anybody remember the sega some old school uh i remember my buddy ben he was so good at madden football and i was so terrible because i'd never played before and i remember i went over to his house because i was like oh yeah i'm gonna play this madden football and i was playing madden and he was just drilling me and i was just smashing buttons and but i figured out that i could run so being from Tennessee, that's all we do, apparently, is we just run the football. So uh, <laughs> I was just running the football, running up the middle, running up the beginning. I was, he was dropping back and passing, and I hadn't figured that out. So I was so focused on running the ball up the middle that I f forgot about the time on the clock. And I remember I was just, I was within like, you know, a couple yards from scoring, and the clock ran out. I was like, man, what's up? He's like, well, the game's over, man. Didn't you realize that? I was like, well, no. He's like, I don't understand. Why didn't you just drop back and pass? You could have. I was like, well, I don't know. I was just trying to fo I'm just focused on running the ball. See, my focus there was on what was in front of me. And my real focus should have been on the clock. That, should, that influenced how I should have played the game. And that's what God's saying here is he's saying, hey, listen, there's not a lot of time on the clock. And it, our relationship matters. It matters actually a whole lot. It matters even more to God. But the good news is that God is on the move and He's building a kingdom. And we need to be far more interested in the souls around us rather than the relationship status. Yet a natural question would be, well, why can't I do this married? Why can't I, I, I be married or have a relationship and God champion this worldview. Why can't he why can I do this? Why why do I have to be single during this? And he answers this in the in the second part. It says it's to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. There's a principle there for Paul 
dating the uh, dating though it's 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 very good nothing wrong with dating at all it's actually healthy it's good but it's very distracting is it not I see this in teenagers all the time because I hang out with teenagers. I did that in last service. Get that piano and get this thing out a little bit. I see this. I see this in teenagers all the time. Um, it's very distracting, and it's probably happening in here right now. Uh, some of you guys, as we were worshiping and singing, you guys were reading the words and singing along. As I've been reading the text and Word of God, you guys have been following along and reading. And as I've been speaking, you've been listening and assessing my words. Some of you guys in here might have noticed someone that is single, cute, may have a little potential. And the whole time, the whole time we've been, <laughs> the whole time we've been doing this, you've been distracted. As we were worshiping, you guys were thinking, "I wonder how I look right now. Should I sing? I don't know." I think I'm good, but I may not be. You know, should I raise my hands? Is that a little too much? A little too Christian? I don't know. Should I sway back and forth? I don't know. It's just too much. And as I'm reading the word, as I'm reading the word, uh, you guys have been have been distracted. I wonder what I think about. What do I think? What do I look like? Should I hold the Bible out right here? Does this look good? Does this look good? Maybe I should just maybe I should just not even do it. I'll just read it on the screen. That's good. And the whole time we've been doing this, it's been distracting. You guys have been there before. You know what it's like. You want to look good. You want to look. You want to look attractive to the opposite person, right? And it's distracting. That's why he says, "I want to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord." That's why the Puritans in early America they divided the congregation: guys on one side, girls on the other. Even the married people did that because here's the reality of the fact: is it's hard to focus on the Word of God when you're sitting next to a woman that smells absolutely wonderful. It just is. It's just hard. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> um, but the reality of it is, is, it gets distracting. It really does. And that's what he's saying for the single people. He says, hey, listen, I want to create a mindset that is undistracted. I want you to put the whole total focus on me. Because, hey, listen, the people that you're chasing, they're going to go away. But hey, get this. If you focus and your whole mindset is on me, guess what? I'll bring you whoever you need. I'll put that person in your life. Because here's the thing. We read it in Colossians. Colossians, it says, all things are made by him and for him. We're just not made by God. We're made for God. Everything we do should be totally for God. So we need an undistracted devotion to God. St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So when Jesus sat by the woman at the well, he speaks to her about her relational categories, and he brings in, in, into uh, her knowledge. It says, he, he says, you have had five husbands, and you're living with someone that's not even your husband. And what does he do? He doesn't condemn her or tisk her or just be like, hey, listen, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. You're doing wrong. He doesn't do that. This is what he says. He says, he says uh, if you knew who you were sitting by, you would ask for living water and never thirst again. He says, get this. He says, you are trying to find in a person what only God can do. 
He says, to ever get anything right with a guy or a girl, you have to get it with me right first. You have to. And a lot of people are, are chasing people out there and, and trying to find stuff that, that makes them feel good. But in all reality, it's just going to lead to a dead end. But when you put your faith and your trust in, your, in God, guess what? He says, listen, I can fulfill all your needs. I've got this. Don't put your faith and trust in some man because, trust me, I'm a man and we fail you. Don't put your faith and trust in some woman because they fail you. Put your faith and trust in God. So let's ask the next question. It says, well, well, why do I have to be single to do that? People say married people, they focus on God all the time. They they get that worldview. They, they get the worldview championed with marriage. Why do I have to stay single at this stage of my life? Well, we read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 32. If you have your, your Bibles, look at that. It says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The married man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And I can hear some of you single guys out there pleasing my wife. Daniel, that's what I want to do. I want to take care of her. I want to please her. And to that I say, I don't think so. I don't think you understand how complicated marriage is. It's complicated. You single man, you don't quite get it right now, but you're going to have to buy things that you didn't think you'd have to buy. You're like, i got to buy a couch and a refrigerator? Like that mini fridge does not work anymore? it's complicated you're going to buy all kinds of things and you're going to find yourself in in bath and body works with 18 candles shoved up your nose and you're like what do you what do you think about this 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 you got to say i couldn't care and then you go to check out and she's got seven candles and they ring it up and it's 450 dollars and you're like oh my goodness on candles just to smell good you're like, there's no way. I've got to get a second job. I've got to get a job to do this. So you get a second job, and you get a, you get a second job, and you're tired and you're wore out because you bought seven candles and you've got to pay that, and you've worked overtime and you come home and you got to, you just say, oh man, I'm just so tired. I just want to watch the game. No, son. Uh-uh. No. She's going to know how your day is, and a sweeping good is not going to get it. She's going to know details, 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 and then she wants you. She's going to tell you details, 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 and she wants to go deep with you. And she wants you to sit there and look at her and say, I just, you know, I just don't know what I would say if my friend said that to me. And she just, that's what it's going to be like. <laughs> Man, that's marriage. <laughs> and, and, and my dad, hey, somebody's here. Yeah. Am I down on marriage? No, I'm not down on marriage at all. What I'm saying is it's very, very complicated. It's very complicated. And to you women, I'm on you now. <laughs> Let's read in verse number 35. It says, And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy and body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. And I hear you, you single ladies say, Well, I want to please my husband. I want that. I really, really want that so badly. And to that I say, I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> Because here's the thing, is the man's going to come into the relationship with expectations that maybe his mother did. And I learned that the hard way. That's not good. 
<laughs> it's not good at all. So just don't go there. <laughs> and then you're going to have things come up throughout your day. Some of you are laughing because you understand. <laughs> you're going to have things that go out your day. You're going to have a hard day. And you're, you're going to come home and you're going to be beat. And you're going to like, I, I just need to process my day. I want to process with my soulmate. And you're going you're gonna to sit there in front of him and you're going to just, just pour it out. And he's going to look at you with drool running out of his mouth. And he's going to say, yeah, yeah. And you're going to say, why don't you get me? And to that I say, we don't. We don't get you. We don't understand. All these movies that you've seen that Ryan Gosling, he just comes in and he's just the man, you know. Those are written by women. <laughs> Men didn't write that, nor did we see them. We don't know. <laughs> Am I downplaying marriage? No, I'm not. I'm not one bit. But the reality of the fact is, is it's very complicated. It's very, very, very complicated. And I'm trying to have fun here. But the point is, is no matter what stage of life we're in, married, single, whatever it may be, we tend to downplay the advantages and upplay our frustrations, don't we? We really do. And I don't want you to miss the advantages. The advantages of being single are two things that married people don't have. Two things. Freedom and time. Freedom and time. I wish I had freedom and time right now. <laughs> be quite honest with you, when you have kids, you don't have a lot of freedom or time. <laughs> but that is the advantages of being single. And why not take that freedom and time and glorify God with it? See, some of you all are single and you're sitting in here today and you, you just do whatever you want to do. You go here, you go here, you go here. And you don't glorify God with your freedom and your time. Some of you do. Some of you sit here and you do. You, you volunteer week in and week out. So to the single people that don't do that, I want to ask you guys, hey, we need volunteers around here. We need youth volunteers. We need rich kids volunteers. We need volunteers everywhere. So I want you guys to leverage your time. I want you guys to use it wisely, to glorify God. Really seek God. See what He can do in your life. The last thing I want to mention is, is it more important, is it more spiritual to be single? Is it? Paul seems to think so. He said it is is good for. He said it. I've got tongue tied. He said it is as good to remain as I am. But he says if you don't contain self control, then marry. Some of you hear that and say, "Well, man, I'm burning with passion to bring on the spouse." So, but others say, "You know what? I, you don't know what I've been through, man. I've had divorce. Uh, it has been terrible." You know what I've been through? Is it more spiritual to just be single, just to remain single? And I want to answer that quickly in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 12. If you want to uh, flip over there, uh, you can read it in, the, in the, the text or be on the screen behind us. It says, for the eunuchs, and I don't really have time to go into what a eunuch was. Bobby said he would love to answer that question afterwards. It says, who have lived, <laughs> who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men which that's very unfortunate and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven let the one who is able to receive it receive this 
if you read this and see you read this and see that there are people that chose a life of no kids and no marriage to really glorify the kingdom of God. They wanted to just glorify God. And so you ask the question, well, should I do that? You know, should, if it's more spiritual to be single, should I just remain single? And the answer to that is, is I don't know. I really don't. I can't really answer that question. Only you can. But it states earlier in, in Corinthians, it says, but you will be given grace. People get, God gives you grace to get through those periods of time. Everybody's going to be ordained with a season of singleness. Some be some of us shorter than others, and some of us longer than others. And I don't want you to to forget what being single is about. Being single is having freedom and time to glorify God. Because God says, "Listen, don't chase after a man or a woman. Chase after." Chase after me because, listen, I can quench your thirst, but you'll never be thirsty again. So I challenge you this morning. I want to ask you a couple questions. I ask you this question in closing. How are you spending your season of singleness? How are you? Does it glorify God or does it glorify yourself? If I was to ask you, hey, listen, what are you doing for God right now? Would some of you say, well, I'm doing this and this and this? Or some of you say, I could be doing this. Does it glorify God in your singleness? Do you, do you seek after Him? The first question is, how are you spending your season of singleness? And number two is, are you spending it in an undistracted way? And is it glorifying to God? Are you undistracted? Or are you distracted? things of this earth? Are you really putting your focus on eternal things rather than earthly things? So the band's going to come this morning and as we close uh, you guys probably like when I preach because I am not long-winded much like Wesley. <laughs> Throw him under the bus. Uh, I, I'm short. Uh, and this morning we have communion up here uh, which represents the bo broken body of Christ and the blood that he shed. Uh, so I, I, I ask you, you guys want to partake in that? Please, please come and do so. Um, but I want you guys to sit there and think about those. If you're single, uh, think about that. How am I spending my singleness? What does it look like? And to you married people, I'm going to throw you guys out there. How are you spending your life? Is what Does your daily walk with God, is it great or is it poor? Just answer that to yourself. And if you say, hey, listen, I could use a lot of work. Maybe this Sunday is the Sunday that say that you just give it up to God and say, you know what? I just want to come back to you, God. I just want you to do work through me. I just give it all to you. Forget the rest of this world. I just give it up to you, and you just do a work in my life. I just give it all to you. So I challenge you that as we close. How are you spending your singleness? And does it glorify God? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything. Thank you that we could just open your word freely and just talk about you. And God, I pray for both single people and married people in here today. I pray that you create a, you champion a worldview in them. They just have an undistracted devotion to you. 
God, just be with us through the remainder of the day. We love you so much.